Chapter Twenty Five of Laramie Holds the Range by Frank Spearman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five: A Guest for an Hour. Can you stand on your feet? He asked. Supporting her as she made the trial, he felt his way from where the horse had plunged through to where he found a partial seat for her. "'Are you much hurt?' he asked again. She could not, if she would, have told in how many places she was broken and bruised. All she was sharply conscious of was a pain in one foot, so intense as to deaden all other pain. It was the foot that had been caught under the horse. "'I think I'm all right,' she murmured in a constrained tone and in her manner briefly. "'How did you find me here?' she asked, almost resentfully. "'Where am I?' He knew from her words she had neither headed nor followed any expedition against him, but he did not answer her question. "'I'll see whether I can get the horse up.' While he worked with the horse, and once during the long, hard effort, she heard between thunderclaps a sharp expletive. Kate tried to collect in some degree her scattered and reeling senses. What quieted her most was that her long and fear-stricken groping for hours in the storm and darkness seemed done now. Without realizing it, she had willingly turned her fears and troubles over to another, and to one who, though she stubbornly refused to regard him as a friend, she well knew was able to shoulder them. She heard the kicking and pawing of the horse, then with new dismay the low voices of two men, and next in the terrifying darkness more kicking, more suppressed expletives, more heaving and pulling, and between lightning flashes quieting words to the horse. The two men had gotten the frightened beast to his feet. Laramie groped back to Kate. He had to touch her with his hand to be sure he had found her. "'I'm taking you at your word,' he said, above the confusion of the storm. "'What do you mean?' "'That you're alone and don't know where you are.' "'I am alone. I wish I might know where I am.' Both spoke under constraint. "'It's more important to know how to get home,' he replied, ignoring the request in her words. "'Your horse is here for the night, that's pretty certain,' he declared as a sheet of rain swept over the crater." I've got a horse nearby, and we'll start for where we can get more horses. There was nothing Kate could say or do. She already had made up her mind to submit in silence to what Laramie might suggest or impose. One thing only she was resolved on, that whatever happened there should be no appeal on her part. His first thought was to get her out of the pit by the way she had plunged in. A moment's reflection convinced him that such a precaution was unnecessary. When he asked her to follow him, he held her wet-gloved hand in his hand. "'Look out for your footing till we get to the horse,' was his warning. "'The way we're going, we should never make but one slip.' "'Take your time,' he added, as she stepped cautiously after him out into the drive of wind and rain. "'It's only about twenty steps.' In obeying orders, she gave him nothing to complain of, but there was little relaxing of the tension between the two. 
Every step she took on her injured foot was torture, made keener by the uncertain footing. More than once, even despite the dangers of her situation, she thought she must cry out or faint in agony. The twenty steps along the steep face of the canyon, pelted by rain, were like two hundred. Kate made them without a whimper. Thence she followed him slowly between rocky walls guarding the nearly level floor of the widening ledge till they reached the horse. She stumbled at times with pain, but if it were to kill her she would not speak. Hawk had followed the two from the abutment. He joined them now. Kate was only aware that a second man had come up and was moving silently near them. Laramie spoke to him. She could not catch what he said, then helped her into the saddle. "'I'm going to the house again,' he said. "'This man will stay with you. I'll be back in a moment.' Little as she liked being left with another, she could not object. The rocky wall saved her partly from the storm, and as to the other man, she was only vaguely conscious at intervals of a shapeless form outlined beside the horse." Laramie was gone more than a moment, but under Kate's shelter nothing happened. The horse, subdued by storm and weariness, stood like a statue. Uneasy with pain, Kate was very nervous. New sounds were borne on the wind from the darkness. Then she heard Laramie's voice, and then a rough question from another voice. "'How the hell did you get him out?' "'Walked him out,' was the response." Laramie had brought back her own horse. "'Get on him,' added Laramie, speaking to the other man. "'I'll lead my horse. He's sure-footed for her. You know the way down.' Kate made only one effort, as the man she knew must be Laramie came to the head of the horse she was on, patted his wet neck, and took hold of the bridle. She leaned forward in the saddle. "'I'll try again to get home if you'll help me get out of here.' "'I'm helping you get out,' was the reply. "'If you knew where you were, you wouldn't talk yet about trying for home.' He stepped closer to the saddle, tested the cinches, and spoke to Kate. "'It's a hard ride. You can make it by letting the horse strictly alone. I'll lead him, but he won't stand two bosses in this kind of a mess, over the only trail that leads from here. How you ever got in, God only knows, and he won't tell.' Least ways, not tonight. Sit tight. Don't get scared, no matter what happens. If the horse should break a leg, all we can do is shoot him, and you can try your own horse. But your horse is all in now. To ride at night a mile in the chilling blackness of a mountain storm is to ride five. To face a buffeting wind and a sweep of heavy rain mile after mile, and keep a saddle while a horse pauses, halts, starts and staggers, rights himself, gropes painfully for an uncertain foothold among rocks where a bighorn must pick his way, is to test the endurance even of a man. Laramie, moving unseen and almost unheard in the inky blackness, piloted the nervous beast with an uncanny instinct past the dangers on every hand. He guided himself with his feet and by his hands, halting on the edge of crevices and heading them with the horse at his shoulder, feeling his way around slopes of falling rock and clambering across them when they could not be escaped, holding the lines at their length ahead of the horse 
and speaking low and reassuringly to urge him on waiting sometimes for a considerable period for a flash of lightning to give him his bearings anew kate could see in each of these blinding intervals his figure each flash outlined it sharply on her retina always the same patient resourceful silent and unwearied the man who had been directed to ride her own horse she never caught sight of when they reached open country and better going her guide did not break the silence he spoke only when at last he stopped the horse and stood in the darkness close to her knee this brings us to the end of our trail for a while we're in front of my cabin of course it's small and i've been thinking what i ought to say to you about things as you'll find them here the man that rode behind us and passed us on your horse is abe hawk you know what they call him over at your place you know what they call me for taking his part you know what you called me she repressed an exclamation when she tried to speak he spoke on ignoring her never mind he said in the same low even tone that silenced her protest i'm not starting any argument but it's time for plain speaking and i'm going to tell you just what has happened tonight so for once anyway we'll understand each other i'm going to show my cards the chilling sheets of rain that swept their faces did not hasten his utterance when you get home and tell your story your men will know it was abe hawk you ran into whether you knew it or not they'll ask you all about his hiding place and you'll tell them all you know which won't be much i don't complain of all that it's war and part of the game all i'll ask you not to say is that i brought abe hawk with you to my cabin abe won't be here when they come it isn't that we can take care of ourselves I'm speaking only because I don't want my place burned. It isn't much, but I think a good deal of it. Burning it won't help get rid of me. It will only make things in this country worse than they are now, and they're bad enough. I wouldn't have brought you here if there'd been any other place to take you. There wasn't, and for a while you'll have to make partners with the two men your father and his friends are trying to get killed. She almost cried out a protest how can you say such things just the plain fact that's all is it fair because your enemies to accuse my father in such a way have it as you want it but get my view of it with the one you get over at your place and if you'll climb down we'll go under cover now may i say something no more than fair you should she spoke low but fast and distinctly nor was there any note of fear or apology in her words. You must put a low estimate on a woman if you would expect her to go home with tales from the camp of an enemy that had put her again on her road. It may be that is the kind of a woman you know best, Laramie tried to interrupt. I've not done, she protested instantly. You said I might say something. It may be that is the kind of a woman you understand best but I won't be classed with such, not even by you. If you've saved me from great danger, it doesn't give you the right to insult me by telling me you expect me to be a tale-bearer. It isn't manly or fair to treat me in that way. You mustn't expect too much from a thief. 
you shame yourself not me when you use a word i never in my life not even in anger ever used of you you shame your friends when you call me or think of me as anything else i'm no match for you but i've not done i'm no match for you i know in fine words or any other kind of a game don't think i don't know that but by he checked himself just in time thief or no thief you've had a square deal from me every turn of the road bitter with anger he blurted out the words with vehemence if he looked for a quick retort none came kate for an instant waited should you wish me she asked to look for anything else at your hands well we're not holding up this rain any by talking he returned gruffly get down and we'll get inside you can stay here till morning oh no why not just put me on the road for home and let me be going this is my cabin i told you that i can't stay here this is my cabin i am responsible for the safety of everyone that steps under my roof i know but i must go home they have most likely been searching the trails for me father would telephone she was desperate for excuses to bell and learned i've started home and the storm he did not hesitate to cut her off afraid of me eh the contempt and resentment in his words stirred her without answering she sprang as well as she could in her wet habit from the saddle and faced him close enough almost to see into his eyes in the darkness from the fireplace inside a gleam of light from the blaze that hawk had started piercing the tiny window sash shot across her face does this look like it she demanded her eyes seeking his he was stubborn answer me she exclaimed in a tone of a dictator then why don't you do what i ask you to do instead of giving me a story about barb doubleday telephoning he demanded she winced at her mistake in urging an impossible thing she felt when she made it laramie would not credit so wild an assertion her father would not take the trouble to telephone to save even a bunch of his steers from a storm much less his daughter but there may be others over there laramie added grimly that would the reference to the man he hated van horn was too plain to be passed over now she returned as if to close and standing her ground as she spoke have you said all the mean things you can think of he evaded her thrust the wires are down a night like this anyway he objected if you'd be honest with me as i am with you we'd get along without saying mean things i am honest with you can't you see that a woman can't always be as open in what she says as a man what do i know about a woman but since you make everything hard for me i shall be open with you come inside then and say it i couldn't be any wetter than i am and if i've got to say this to one man i won't say it to two you ask me to stay all night in your cabin as if i were a small boy instead of what i am you could take all the shooting irons on the place into your own room with you i shouldn't need to but what would people say of me when they heard of it that i had stayed here all night you know what they can do to a woman's reputation in this country you know how some evil tongues talk about bell 
I would like to keep at least my reputation out of this bitter war that's going on. Can't you? Won't you understand? He was silent for a moment. Come into the fire, then, he said at length, and we'll see what we can do. You've been on the wrong road all night. There's no need of any secrets now on anybody's part, I guess. But I'd rather turn you over to ten thousand devils than to the man you're going back to tonight. Surely, she gasped, you don't mean my own father. You know the man I mean, was all he answered. Then he threw open the cabin door and stood waiting for her to pass within. End of chapter 25